that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to a uh, well uh, the first edition of the the new uh, National Hunt Seasons Race Hour. This is of course brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, it's myself Dean Ryan uh, in lockdown towers as we all are. We're all in our various uh, home spaces or wherever we can actually get a quiet bit of time away from the wife and the kids during lockdown times. Uh, Dermot Nolan is here. Demo. Hello Dean. How are you? How are you keeping? You okay? All good. All good. We're all we're all locked away, but once uh, we can all be locked down, once the uh, racing here in Ireland can keep going, which will make the big difference, please God. Yeah, of course. You know, outdoor pursuits—they should be allowed to kick on, and they've been doing yeah. uh, they've been doing a valiant job since they've been allowed back into the uh, into the fray in Ireland and across across in the UK. Been French racing, obviously, recently with the Arc. Paying attention to that stuff. Um, Paddy Aspel is here. Paddy, how are you? How are we, guys? Keeping well. Yeah, good to be back. You're uh, you're a busy man still tipping away with a bit of uh, riding out and uh, of course uh, the William Hill with the daily radio and stuff. Yeah, I've. I mean, I think it's amazing. I, I don't think I've worked harder since I've actually retired from the saddle. Um, <laughs> it's quite different, but it's enjoyable. I mean, the main thing is I've I've got proper OCD, so I've got to keep busy. So it suits me fine. Okay, and uh, you want to you want to be kept under it. Yep. And Paddy, just with your retirement, obviously. And everything else it's always one question that i absolutely love to ask every jockey um what's the one ride in your whole career where you look back and you say to yourself Do you know what i absolutely nailed that one and uh i know there's loads paddy because obviously you were you were a top class jockey but which one was the one that kind of gave you and it it could well be chief dan george but usually well, that's my one jockey, you can't give him my one that's that's you know <laughs> yeah. usually it's kind of it could be a ride at chepstow or anything if you know what I mean, as in, is there any ride particularly where you just got off and went, you know what, that was, I did very well there? Uh, I suppose, I think, the, 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 I'd, I'd probably have one in the flat and one over jumps. And the one over jumps was actually, it was up in Musselburgh, and it was a horse that uh, Sam Allardyce and the boys got in training when he was manager at Bolton and they qualified for Europe. And so they bought this horse and called him European Dream. And but he was he he was a deadly little horse, but very quirky as regards. You literally had to drop his head on the line. And he I managed to win the Scottish County Hurdle on him up at Musselburgh one day. And it literally he was a type of horse he 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 didn't want to see a hurdle the whole way around. He didn't want an inch of light. And you, all he needed to see was the winning line, and that was it. Um, and that's how it panned out that day. Just got up on the line and won. And it was for Richard Guest at the time, who was riding for plenty, and a guy I really enjoyed riding for. And you know, obviously, I got to meet Sam Allardyce. Um, what's the name of the guy who trained Hull for a while? Uh, is it Chris Chris Brown? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. He used yeah, to wear yeah. the jumper over his shoulders. He used to put the jumper the, over his shoulders, and, and that's the yeah. guy. Um, Sacha Distel. Yeah, he kept them all in the centre circle one day, didn't he? Yeah. That's right, <laughs> yeah. that's right. The Jimmy Bullard moment where he's all fingers <laughs> yeah. pointed. Yeah, yeah. cracker, cracker. So there was there was a few characters involved and got to meet all them boys. So got a real kick out of that because it was just the way the whole race came together. And I would say probably on the flat, 
I won the Brocklesby, that two-year-old race at Doncaster from Mick Easterby on a horse called My Boy Bill. And I'd I'd been really grafting all winter in, in Easterby's. It was a real quiet winter, but I'd done all the work on this two-year-old. We, we got him prepped for the Brocklesby, and he literally hadn't even been on grass or had a gallop on grass, but we knew he was good. You, ju- you just sort of know if they've got a bit of ability. A fair play, he popped up, and, and he won the Brocklesby. And yeah, just another one. Because of the grass that had gone in and how much time he'd actually spent in and around the horse, got a real kick out of that one. You know, Demo mentioned it, Paddy, but I, I spoke to you about it before, you know, before we'd ever cross paths talking about racing on the, on some bit, bit part, uh, podcast like this one. We'd never, uh, I, you know, we'd never obviously met or anything, but Chief Dan George is one of my best memories of mm-hmm. Cheltenham because I fancied it from a long way out with all this back hurdle form and a bit of class in it. I think it won, I think it won a race at Carlisle before it went to the festival. Did you ride out Carlisle the, the time before as well? I think, did, you know, you? his last run before the festival, believe it or not, it, it, it was, you know, it was mad. He won a veteran's chase at Doncaster. That's, that's it. Yeah, and it was up north and it was a real low, it was a low grade affair, but he just oh, yeah. looked like he was, he was, he was absolutely readied and it was perfect, like lovely mark. And then it was a package that you had to, to kind of hold off bay. In that, in that yeah. trophy or whatever it was. I mean, but that was a fantastic day for me on a personal level. I thought you were, uh, you were a genius that day. And I know the horse pretty uncomplicated, wasn't he really? Once you got him out jumping at the front end and just kept him nibbling away. Yeah. And you know, anybody that would always ask me, oh, when did you think you'd win or where did you, where did you win it or whatever? I mean, obviously he yeah. just hung on, but for me, yeah. although you're still probably five fences from home, the ditch at the top of the hill he absolutely winged it and he jumped it that well. I was able to just, only then once we turned in and ran down the hill, I was able to sit on him literally for 10 strides and get a proper old lung full of air into him and travel yeah. all the way down the hill. It, it was it was, it was, was the jump at the ditch that actually won the race for me because it gave me that chance to put a bit of petrol in the tank and then we could go, we could go again because you know I probably sent him for home just early enough, and but it it was that it was that actual brief moment at the top of the hill which which managed to, to nick it for us. It's funny a lot of you know people only when they when they watch jockeys riding in races they do and they have a bet on and that it's always the last kind of couple of hundred yards where they think they won or lost the race and that's not necessarily true is it as you've just suggested with with Chief Dan George that day it was a decision you made a little bit earlier on in the contest when you still got plenty of racing to do to just go we're just going to have a little a little moment uh, to to pull it together and that, that's pretty fascinating stuff I was in the bar in the Arco bar. Uh, that day and everybody was on the package like everybody mm. it was a, it was a, it was a plunge you know it was, a, it was the david johnson colors for for pipe and a proper plunge uh, but there was me on my own jumping up and down and spilling drink everywhere <laughs> <laughs> cheering, cheering you home paddy so, so thank you for that um, i appreciated it i appreciate it massively um yeah okay well i mean we are in in standard kind of race hour form we'd normally review last weekend's racing but this is the first weekend of the jump season proper and uh, it is good to be back so uh, when we do kind of spin through um some of the racing that's to come we're going to focus on chips though we're going to have a little quick look at the irish Zarich and the monster national which is coming up um in ireland at the current and limerick of course we may even mention the Jewhurst. we may but we'll, we'll see and that'll be after the break and before that though i think what we're going to do as we run through the early weeks of the season demo and paddy is that we're going to talk about some of these big you know exciting divisions for the season ahead and um, we were going to kick off with the novice chasers um i think every year we say something similar like oh what a great bunch of novice chasers we could have um for this season but 
Maybe, Derm, I might start with you. This could actually be true in terms of the likes of Shiskin and Envoy Allen. Um, they'd be leading the way, I guess, as two horses that you're not quite sure which race they're going to go for, but whichever race they're going to go for, they're probably going to arrive there unbeaten. And um, they might even try and avoid each other at Cheltenham, I guess. But it's not all about Cheltenham. They're going to be very exciting through the season. They'll be hugely exciting. I mean, you'd imagine envoy Allen will end up going down the kind of sam crow jlt route really or marsh route sorry now and like envoy Allen, he's just he is a freak and you know you can continue to take him on all season if you want whoever's out there that kind of still wants to but there's so much more in the tank there i mean you saw dean in the ballymore when we stood there you know davy had to wake him up turning in and then he just kind of went away. He just does enough, which is my exact kind of favourite type of horse. And then Shishkin was a horse that I kind of wasn't keen on. And it wasn't that I was against the horse. It's just he had a funny old prep. And then uh, Nicky Henderson's horses that kind of tend to win these these uh, these novice hurdles have to be really, really special horses at Cheltenham. And he just looked at he had a horror route. Everything went wrong. And he still got up past Abacadabras, who's a, a superstar of a horse himself, who will stay over hurdles. So they are... Definitely the two, but the likes of Captain Guinness, Elixir Danae, and all these horses will all be spread around the kind of two and two and two and a half mile divisions, and it looks very kind of it looks very exciting, and that's not even touching what could be the the, the deepest three mile and three mile sixer division we've had in a long time. Yeah, I mean if we if we you keep one eye kind of on that that minimum distance stuff, I guess. If they wanted to with the likes of Envoy Allen, they could go that way because he seems to be a horse. It doesn't really matter how fast or slow they go or what he's asked to do. He just has enough and a little bit too much class to to take everything in his stride. The idea that Shiskin will go over fences and Abracadabras won't. I guess, Paddy, Shiskin would sit at the top of the potential two milers around for this and not that notwithstanding they could go up and trip with a horse like Shiskin but everything to go wrong as it did at Cheltenham and what he displayed before Cheltenham uh, does kind of put him I guess if you're talking Arkle or that two mile division anyway would certainly put him at the top of it and the bookmakers are not you know I'm not making this up he's, he's seven to two three to one for an Arkle already which sounds crazy because we haven't seen a jump of fence yet but he'd be up there Paddy wouldn't he is, is probably one of the most exciting for the season oh for sure I mean the thing you've got to remember is He's absolutely bolted up in his point to point. So you know, yeah. trip wise, there's no, there's no real questions with this horse. You know, he's unbeaten over hurdles. The only thing that would maybe still the, a box he's got to tick is he's got to tackle real bad ground. Uh, mm-hmm. But apart from that, that, that's it. But you see, a lot of the times you'll see people say, "Oh, I'm not sure about the ground." But if they've never actually ran on it, you can't really be you know seriously worried about it until you've tackled it if you run a horse on certain ground and he can't get out of a trot on it then you say no we've got to steer away from that sort of ground for me that's the only that's the only box he's got to tick because you know he's a typical nicky horse he's got so much class and boot and you'd wonder if it would just blunt the speed but you know i mean he absolutely bolted up in his point uh, in his points should i say and i say he's just been absolutely faultless apart from he crashed out early doors on his on his hurdle debut but apart from that like you mentioned about cheltenham he had a pretty horrific journey round, and he still managed to come out on top. So, yeah, it's very, yeah. very difficult to pick holes in him, isn't it? I love that about horses like him as well. Every reason to chuck it in that day and didn't. And even Nico would be quite a forgiving jockey if he thought, you know, there's there's other days in the horse. He wouldn't he wouldn't go overboard in, in making them deliver, but Shiskin just delivers. And I was a little bit like Dermot before the Supreme, where I think maybe the price put me off in terms of, He's too short for what he's done. And Nicky, you know, tends to have them a little bit 
longer term than a, than a Supreme as a target. But Dermo surprised us um, a little bit on the day and went off a very backable price. So you'd feel almost a bit of a fall after the event because everything about the horse was class. And what he did there, you'd imagine he's going to take that over fences with a little bit of a never say die attitude. That's got to be a good thing too. Huge thing. And his ears pricked the whole way up the, uh, the yeah. running as well to get up past Abacadabras, who himself, there was a lot of question marks over him going into it as well. And he really did stick his head out. Um, he's another kind of very, very smart horse. That, that was a really good Supreme. I mean, Alexia Dane was very unlucky coming to uh, two out. I mean, I'd say if Mark Walsh could do it again, he wouldn't try and go up the right-hand side or, yeah, of uh, Asterian Falange because that, that just didn't work out at all. He'd end up being cleaned and then poor old Captain Guinness behind him. So Shishkin won't have it all his own way. I mean, Captain Guinness went in a very unfinished article as well. He was travelling so well, and you can only imagine what uh, Henry de Bromhead is going to do with him. I mean, look at the job he did with uh, with last year's article winner, who was rated in the low 100s over hurdles. So yeah. if Captain Guinness um, kicks on at all, he's he's going to be something very special over fences. And Alexia Dane is very, very interesting. And he had an extra year over hurdles. So that's not the only thing with him, whether or not he was kind of a bit more ahead of the rest of them. But they might have just finally cracked that he's a two-miler that kind of needs to be up near the guard. So Shishkin won't have it all his own way, but he's a best price four to one. And you can really see why. There's, if if he can do that after warm-ups at Huntington and he can win a Supreme with having not really seen the... the the red heat of battle coming into that that day. If he can win like that, he's only going to get better, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I can see why he's right there. But I mean, like if you are, you know, you mentioned a few names there that I'd almost forgotten about in the kind of aftermath after Cheltenham. You remember how confident people were about a steering for launch going into, into something like the Supreme. He's a strike of a, a kind of champagne fever about him, not just because of the colour, but because of the kind of running style. He's a, he's a loony at the front as well. So, I mean, if they ever got him jumping a fence, he'd be interesting. You've got other horses that lined up in that Supreme who will certainly go over fences, like the Fiddler on the Roof, I think, probably even run this weekend. Um, now, that one might end up being a marsh horse rather than a than an Arco horse. But there were plenty of them, including Elixir Dane, likes of Sporting John and horses like that, who in any normal year would have been, you know, seriously well thought of horses it's just you know we have a couple in Shiskin and Unfor Allen that sit at the top of this that almost make you stop looking yeah and sporting John Dean it also needs to remember with him uh, he'd ran in that Newbury meeting the three or four weeks before Cheltenham where none of the horses that ran at that meeting came out and uh, and did anything even the yes um, that's right you know all of them uh, Deffy Desai was terrible in the champion chase after it. Um, the Colin Tizard horse in the RSA, I, I just can't remember his name now, but he was he was well fancy Top going into head. it. He absolutely flopped. Um, all of them that kind of ran at that meeting. So Sporting John, could, he's another one who's extremely interesting. I mean, the only one that I've had a small nibble at is Elixir Dene at 33 to 1. It's just because I think he's an awful lot of upside now that they figured out his trip. I mean, he was a horse that they were running over two and a half miles and then they were thinking about going up the tree with him. And, you know, he ran well behind him by Alan, but just there was, he didn't quite have the trip. I think he's a very strong staying two miler. And I think he's interesting at 33 to 1. But at the moment, uh, Shishkin's 4 to 1. And you can only see that getting shorter and shorter as the season goes on. Yeah. And you trying to cover your heartbreak of Elixir Dane and that's Oh, I, I was... Totally understand that. I've I literally turned around to you and I said to you, "Oh Jesus, Dean, he's going very well." And then, bang, gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the commentator's curse. You know, we're all, we're all able to we're all able to deliver it. I mean, Paddy, I, I threw a lot of names out there, um, and there's a few, I guess, that I could 
even add to the list, um, likes of a Fusil Raffles or Felix Deji, who's just coming back, um, Saudier, who's obviously had problems. But, I mean, is there anything from below the kind of lines of an Envoy Allen or maybe a Captain Guinness or obviously a Shiskin um, that we have mentioned there that you think looks the stamp of a, of a chase to going forward? I mean, I did mention Astier and Falange. The more I think about that horse, the more it excites me as a, as a jumper of fences. Um, but uh, a head case. Yeah, I wouldn't think there'd be a queue out the door to school him, um, <laughs> when 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 he is going to go chasing. But, I mean, like, the, the the thing about him is, I know obviously with, there was a bit of carnage in the in the Supreme, but you know he still managed yeah. to finish fourth, uh, considering yeah. the fractions that he set and he jumped so badly right, and you know he's given ground away and it's momentum, and you know he still managed in a Supreme to 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 finish fourth. Albeit, I think he'd have been he'd have been out of the money if if they'd have all stood up. But yeah, nonetheless, I mean the thing is, look, you'd be amazed. I mean, he's he's going to be rising seven now. Uh, when we see him again, you know, horses mature mentally and physically, and hopefully they'll have a bit more horse to go out there because you know he's 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 a one five five hurdler. I mean, he's he's ultra talented, but yeah, he he can't be as wayward as what he has been because you know it's just not going to work out for him at the you know at the at the the top table on the big days, but. Just the other horse you mentioned, Fiddler on the Roof, he runs tomorrow, doesn't he? At, yeah. At, uh, against Fusel Raffles at Chepstow. Um, obviously, he's yeah, a major... Yeah, start seeing him. Yeah, he was a major disappointment there. But the thing is, Colin Tizard had a terrible Cheltenham full stop, um, you know, uh, across the board, really. His horses ran pretty average. So you could put a line through that. But it'd be interesting to see him. I mean, he's got serious serious knee action fiddler on the roof for me he's a proper old grinder and you know there's nothing flash about but you know there's a big engine in there yeah definitely a horse that i was very keen on actually going into cheltenham and and it just it just didn't come together and then there was no other obvious opportunity because once cheltenham was done the season was done we didn't get a chance to see him again now that might not be the worst thing huge old stamp of a horse um, as you say, not too many will be queuing up to to jump on a Stephen Falange when it, when it goes for a first crack over them. Um, I mean, the division above that, Dermo, has a few other interesting candidates in it um, that, you know, can, can obviously mix it around the distances. But when you talk about the likes of the big breakaway, the big getaway, um, there's even still talk of Honeysuckle may may try a fence at some point although i think that's very unlikely and then you've got a few that maybe want to stretch out and trip like the chantry house and even classical dream probably come um over fences now this season after hurdles being a complete write-off last year um as we as we kind of skip up the the distances um i guess we move into envoy allen is now the king of this party but what's behind it yeah i mean look envoy allen's a freak um i'm gonna be saying this all season, I have absolutely no interest in taking him on wherever he he goes. He, he's just he's a superstar, and all Gordon Elliott and Keith Donahue and David Russell, all they've talked about is is that they can't wait to get this horse over a fence. You know that they that's all they've discussed, and and they can't wait for it. But behind them, I, I mean, the big getaway really looked a chaser. Both of them did the big getaway and the big breakaway. They both look absolutely brilliant. Um, big shells but, like long-legged, gangly things. Like there's more in them. Honeysuckle would be very interesting, and you know she could do it. Like it's not like she's with kind of Willie Mullins, who who tended to kind of shrink away from these with his his fillies. Yeah. I, I mean, Gore, I mean Henry the Bromhead. <laughs> you'd imagine he's he's nearly pestering them to say we go over fences with her because that's that's kind of all he loves to yeah. do with his horses. Um, yeah. And then you know, like you've got loads of them there. A Chantry House looked a very good horse going into Cheltenham. She he obviously still is. 
uh, monkfish, you'd imagine that horse will end up in an RSA. And it's just like the further you go down, there's there's absolutely loads of question mark. I mean, Darver Star going over fences is very interesting. He isn't going to win a champion hurdle, but he could well be a horse that if he was to improve again, he'd be very smart. But I the only race I can see Envy Allen going for is the Marsh. And uh, if he goes for it, he wins it. Yeah, that middling distance when you think you've got the Gold Cup horse is often the way to go because you don't try and bot- bottom out, yeah. you know, a potential superstar in an RSA, which can happen. Um, now I'm not sure it does happen all the time, but it can happen. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense that that's where they'll aim, uh, providing he goes and jumps a few fences the right way. Paddy, I wanted to ask you a question: whether this is like you know punters talk. We were talking about a horse like a steering for lunge or a fiddler on the roof, or let's say a, a horse that shows like absolute abandon over hurdles, kicks him out of the ground or runs, runs across them and just, you know, is not paying attention. Is it like punters will often say, well, when that sees a fence, you know, that'll wake it up. It'll start paying attention. Do they actually do that? Is the personality not the personality of the horse? Do they really need to see something bigger in front of them for them to care about it? Is that fair? Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it, it is a bit of a throwaway statement, but I do think if you have a, if you have a big old lump of a horse, yeah, I mean, you know, physically hurdles are going to be a little bit of an effort for them. And obviously if they know they can flick them out of the way, it's sometimes it's different with, with the Irish because, you know, they're jumping them easy fix. And even if they are a big lump and they haven't got mm. much respect for hurdles, you've got to make some sort of a shape at an easy fix hurdle because, you know, that, that, that you can't kick that one out of the way. Whereas different yeah. with the horses over here. But yeah, I think generally, um, but sometimes... If you if you do make that phrase about a horse, he's gonna have to make the mistakes at home, and genu- and generally they will. And you know sometimes even if 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 a horse can end up on the floor at home schooling, you know without really frightening him, it, it, it will do him the power of good, and you'll have a much sharper horse underneath you. And you know you'd be surprised when you go on school a horse and they're a bit cold as regards you know that they've not jumped for a while you, you'll notice it straight away but you know it's it's uh, once you get a bit of a bit of action back into them um you'd be amazed how how quick they sharpen up and and um improve okay okay well that's that's interesting to know would you be an advocate of of your horses if you were involved in the kind of prepping them for let's say chase debuts and you're you've got a good one I mean, how much schooling would you like them to have done before they do hit the track? I mean, I hear differing reports from different stables and you never know for sure exactly how much schooling they do. Some do very little. Some everything is loose. Uh, some is like drilled into them before they, they hit the track. You're saying make mistakes at home is probably better. But I mean, what, what would be ideal? Is, is it fair to send, you know, a big strapping six or seven year old chaser in the making to the track with very little experience? Or is that the best way? Well, I'd prefer to leave them a bit undercooked than overcooked uh, because they can get a bit casual and, you know, that can make mistakes through that way. Whereas, you know, at times I've ridden, I've ridden horses, maybe not over fences, but over hurdles, horses that have made the transition from the flat to hurdles. You won't get them near a hurdle at home. Um, you know, especially the real old cute ones and the characters. But, you know, for me, I, I've said to trainers, horses that refuse at hurdles or whatever, just run them, just run them. Because mm. if he's got the intelligence to refuse or run out, he's got enough brain cells. When he gets into a race, obviously they're a herd animal, he'll get yeah. to the other side, no problem. I can guarantee you that. It's it's the silly ones that are guessing and, and, and doing daft things and, oh, they're more than happy to go and jump an obstacle, but 
you know, haven't got the ability to jump very well. I'd be far keener to ride one that will refuse a run out rather than something that will will, will take the hurdle home with him. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I would be a fan of, you know, I would definitely get them over a ditch a few times because you get a horse on a race course, he'll jump your regulation fences. Then they get down to a ditch. If they, the amount of times you see a horse fall at a ditch, it's because he's gotten there. He's had a look into the ditch. And then last minute, he gets his front end up and drops the hind end in, in the in the fence and unseats his jockey. You see it countless times. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have plenty of jumping done over ditches. But apart from that, you know, a, a jump's a jump. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. So a bit of specialist uh, tutelage at home is is probably where you want to go with it. But I guess, you know, horses have personalities. It's, it's yeah. entirely up to them. And if the cuter ones tend to mind themselves rather than the, the thicker ones smash one out the ground, you're in trouble. Um, okay, I, there was a horse that I was looking forward to at this kind of distance and, and probably a bit further was Time Hill. But Philip Hobbs is suggesting they may keep an eye on the stayers hurdle for this season. They've won uh, more year back. Um, before they go chasing and um, but that might be really sensible because when you think about that Albert Bartlett and those horses that finished almost in a line the likes of Fury Road latest exhibition Monkfish the winner and Time Hill that looked like a really solid um, stay in division for novice chasers next year and he might just let them all have their novice season with Time Hill and then pop up the following year when maybe there isn't the, the strength and depth there so that might be sensible but those three that look like they're going to go fences um, from the Albert Bartlett all very good yeah, I mean, it more than likely is sensible, but the problem is, is that you never really have a good year. I mean, Mouse Morris kept Sam's profile away last season because he said that true, yeah. he thought last season stairs were a very good bunch. Well, he's not <laughs> arriving into a, a soft year this year. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. an incredibly uh, firm division. I mean, Monkfish could really be something special. I mean, he didn't go in with an absolute world of experience behind him and he won the Albert Bartlett in the end in my opinion, with kind of a touch of class coming after the last. It was a brilliant ride yeah. for Paul Townend. Fury Ride, Fury Road was off the bit for a while in that race, so he's definitely a really strong stayer, which there was question marks about. So him heading into the RSA, where you do need to be more of a stayer again, really, than you did in Albert Barlett. And, like, you look at him, you look at latest exhibition, you look at the likes of Bright Forecast there at 33 to 1 and then just add more depth I mean you can't forget about Noel Meads uh, the old care who who beat Bonefish yeah. but didn't go to Cheltenham and like it's an incredible division and that's not even talking about the horse team that me and you absolutely love who missed last season Commander of Fleet I mean he, um, I've backed him at 33 to 1 for the RSA and for the National Hunt Chase because he could end up yeah. there I mean he's a horse that split Manila Indo and Alaho in the Albert Bartlett and you know like you'd last year's uh Stairs winner behind all them like that was a, that was an incredible yeah. that, that commander year. of fleet run as well that year I think you know if you gave Jack another go he'd win most yeah, most times yeah hundred percent Melinda was just, was was just kind of by Rachel just got it absolutely spot on didn't she on Manella and that's just took her over so yeah that's it and Indo has proved he, that wasn't a fluke in the meantime as well so it's true, it was yeah. like so thirty three to one on him if Gordon can perform the oracle on him for the RSA and 33 to 1 for the National Hunt Chase because he could end up in that three mile sixer just when you look at uh, how good Fury Road was last season so Gordon Elliott stacked as always um, in the chasing department we haven't even mentioned Easy Work who, who was second to NYLN so he's a serious yard but this division is could well just be absolutely unbelievable but you'd be full of trepidation saying that Dean at the same time because 
how many times have we waxed lyrical about, oh, this year's Gold Cup is going to be amazing, or this year, and then it just kind of falls apart throughout yeah. the year. So hopefully, if we can get to to the RSA next season with all of the Albert Bartlett field or the uh, front five or six minus uh, Time Hill and then a few more in there as well, you're looking at one of the races of the uh, of the decade. Yeah, and it, Paddy, I was going to say, if all of these come through with flying colours through their novice chasing, we won't have enough room for them in a Gold Cup next year because they're, they're, they'll all be um, they'll all be wanting a crack at it. Um, you remember the Albert Bartlett like we all do and the finish that we got that day. Out of the, the ones that kind of rattled to the front end, Monkfish, latest exhibition, um, Time Hill, it doesn't look like it's going to jump a fence yet this season. I mean, um, which which horse would excite you the most for the season ahead as a chaser? Well, obviously, I, I was a big, I was a big fan of latest exhibition. Um, yeah, the whole way through, to be honest, and I mean, really, you know, he was inspired, wasn't he, Town End? I mean, obviously, that was the race where you know there was plenty of there was a bit of jockeyship, wasn't there? And he, he got over to the stand side before Dickie Johnson did on Time Hill, and you know, if he hadn't yeah. have done that, it could have been a completely different race because there was very there was only a neck, a nose, a length, and a quarter between them in the end, and there was ten lengths back to the fifth. Um, so it could have been a completely different race if things had panned out a little bit differently. Um, but nonetheless, very, very strong form. I mean, Fury Road there as well. But, you know, I, I do love this latest exhibition. And like I say, because of how things panned out, we never got to see any of these horses after. So it's a bit of yeah. a blank page again this year, isn't it, with them? Because, you know, they've all had a good long break. Uh, some will have done better than others. So, you know, we, we could have, um, you know, we could have a bit of a, a few upsets here and there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, we could. And I think, you know, what's going to be fascinating is the M4 Allen and Shiskin will probably, you know, they'll they'll go other ways. And then the the, the, the door is open for, for the others to try and pick up races elsewhere and then take aim at these two at the festivals, which, you know, I'd be really looking forward to. I mean, Dermo, you, you kind of picked up one of the ones I wanted to mention with Commander of Fleet. And I think he's a horse that hopefully I do get back for the season over fences. And like you say, it could be the old boats race for it, for sure. Uh, something like the Welsh national in the future, but we'll keep that, <laughs> we'll keep that one in the back burner. Um, I, I'm interested to see uh, the likes of classical dream and a steering flange uh, go and jump a fence at some point. Of course, it's Willie Mullen. So I'm not giving you anything, uh, anything too uh, exciting there. And the likes of Sam profile, as you mentioned, who was held back by mouse, he's got French dynamite who might be, um, might be an interesting one for fences as well. I think he beat the boss Oscar in a pre Cheltenham race there. It looked quite good. And Mouse very yeah. sparingly runs these animals. So French Dynamite could be good if they do uh, end up going fencing. And then, of course, the big breakaway. Um, only five, though. And I wonder if they might give it one more year of a hurdles. So I kind of get the impression that they should. But it's Tizard, so I'm not sure they might just go straight for it. Paddy, any um, horses? I mean, we've mentioned loads and loads of them. Uh, any horses that you're excited for over fences that we haven't covered or, you know, if, is there a dark one lurking that maybe with another yard or something? Well, I just wanted to ask you, has there been sort of any, any sort of anything on the grapevine about honeysuckle jumping a fence? Not that I've heard. Um, no, and they've no, just nothing. added this, they've added this mare's chase now as well, haven't they? So you, like, I, I'm guessing that might even just open the door for honeysuckle to just go and win the mare's hurdle again and not have to, not have to do too much this season. Now that sounds very it's lack of ambition, but you know, there's a bar named after a horse that won that race four or five times at Cheltenham, and, and honeysuckle would be good enough to do something like that. Um, I, I'm guessing, as Demo said, Henry will want to jump a fence with her, but I, I'd be surprised if they do it, Demo, wouldn't you? Oh God, yeah. I mean, look, it's there in front of them, and 
first and foremost, uh, you know, the the owners and Peter Maloney, etc. They're they're breeders, so the more um, the more proper kind of black type that they can keep getting, and the more uh, the more Grade Ones, which the mare's hurdle is now that they can win. I wouldn't say yeah. they'll be too bothered by. Uh, whether or not she goes down in the pantheon of greats as a chaser, I think they'll be more interested in uh, the amount of kind of mares hurdles that they can keep totting up. So, look, uh, we'll we'll discuss the mares hurdle in years to come because that division's only getting stronger now with the like of uh, Concertista mm. stepping up. So there is nowhere easy really, but uh, Honey Suckle the way the way she did that last season, we we won't get into the Benny to do row again. But <laughs> she's uh, <laughs> she was a deserved winner. On the day, and uh, I'd be keeping her there, but again, it's uh, yeah. is not my decision. Howdy, I just think you know Benny Dejou might well go for this mare's chase now, along with a few other mares, and that just that just leaves Honeysuckle to to kick yeah. them all out of the way in that in that mare's division. But you know, you'd love to see a jump a fence, but at the same time, do they they don't need to, do they? Well, it's, well I mean, the thing is, you know, it's not as if obviously she she's won her points, isn't she? And um, yeah, but yeah, obviously because she is a little bit, you know. She's not over big, and obviously she's so good. There is going to be that fear of 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 um, something happening to her, so you want to mind her a little bit. But then, on the other hand, you you're always gonna you'd love to see her do it as well. Um, but I think another horse maybe I wanted to mention was you know I rattled on about him plenty last year, and he really bummed out over fences. Was Liz Nagar Oscar? Um, yeah, who came back to form and won the stairs at Cheltenham and beat Arrow Mate Dermo Ronald Pump. And you know, right. I, I think I think he's you know the, the 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 his season was just a disaster up until Cheltenham. I'd say connection. Obviously, I mean, he won the stairs. He was fifty to one. That's how bad his mm-hmm. season went uh, because he just looked like fences were frightening the, the life out of him, and you know they put headgear on him. And I mean, massive train performance to get him back and, and and in that sort of gear for Cheltenham. So I wonder what what their plan is uh, this time around, and if they're maybe thinking about going down that road again. Because he's only seven. Yeah, there's plenty of time, isn't there? And it was an abandoned, um, you know, season over fences that made him go back that way. It's, yeah. it's hard. To, I guess it's hard to know. I wonder if they might kick him off over hurdles and if he's if he's spanking what's out there, they'll stay there. Yeah, um, Yeah, that could be the way. Because, you know, that that division is weak enough. Even Philip Hobbs is thinking of taking aim with Time Hill. So, you know, you never know what they might do um, there. But yeah, just didn't go right for Liz Nagar Oscar until the festival when uh, when we'd all forgotten it existed which is what happens <laughs> right lads um okay well after this break we are going to come back and talk a bit about the opening um stuff of the jump season of course with uh, with Cheps though uh, we'll throw an eye over an Irish Cesarich uh, a Munster National at Limerick and we may even mention the Dewhurst we may you're listening to the Race Hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off of us in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Okay, hello and welcome back to the Race Hour, of course, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Dermot Nolan and Paddy Aspel and uh, well before the break we were talking about the kind of uh, fascinating novice chase division for the national hunt season that is about to get underway and it, it kicks off proper really uh, oh, if you're listening to us on Friday then today at Chepstow but we're going to talk about a bit of racing um, on Saturday at Chepstow which has 
Um, some nice horses back out and about. The first race I was going to talk about was the, the Native River Handicap Chase, named after a proper old warrior. And uh, it's got a proper old warrior, actually, likely to go pretty much off close to the top of the betting in Ballyoptic, who had such a wonderful year last season for Nigel Twiston Davis and uh, Sam Dermo. Uh, this race, just my kind of race to get started with, actually. Welcome back, Jumps Racing, with a load of old, <laughs> old uh, favourites going to war just under three miles at Chepster. Yeah, it's a cracking race. And the ground there at the moment is uh, good to soft, as you see there on uh, on Twitter. So hopefully the, yes, the rain I can... Yes, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully the rain can stay away. We have a decent start. Because, I mean, this is like, you know, the likes of Seddon winning this there at 11-1 wouldn't be a big shock. But I just, yeah. I really like the look of uh, Secret Investor. I mean, he won the Persian War here in 2018 off a break. Again, off the back of a wind surgery. He comes in here off a break and another wind surgery as well i mean that was a huge effort behind native river last season and i think he should go very very close here at five to one the way that this race is framed because of old valley optic uh running off 163 uh that means that uh, secret investor runs here off 11-2 which is a, a lovely racing weight for him and he runs here off 153 without valley optic he's he's top weight and secret investor would be kind of how you you'd be looking to take him on there i know brave eagle is there but i I just think Secret Investor, he's eight years old now. He's the type of Paul Nichols horse that could just well keep improving. And for uh, for the first pick of the weekend on, on the race hour, I'm, I'm quite confident in, uh, in Secret Investor. Yeah, I, I'm all over this, I think, for this race. I thought that run behind Native River last year, pre-festival, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah. it was super exciting and it just kind of seemed like you know, we might have a horse that can really go places. And they were always going to skip Cheltenham. So then the season just got curtailed on them. Um, so there's, there's a lot to come from this. And after a wind up, um, Harry Cobden on, I think it's a fair price. Paddy, are you going to stick the nail in the coffin or are you, are you going to pick something else? Because if the three of us go for it, we're in trouble, I think. Well, I think there's at times maybe a lot of people read into wind surgery. But for me, with the Nichols thing, he, he does it to every single horse in training. So, yeah. you know, how much improvement that's going to bring compared to another yard, I think it's it's debatable. But, you know, mm -hmm. he's a very, very consistent animal. This is no doubt. And, you know, he's obviously he's won on his only previous visit to the track. But I might take a chance with the horse just below him in Boldmere. I mean, you know, he's not by a very fashionable jumping sort of multiplex. So he's a bit of a freak, really, the, the ability he's shown over fences. And, um, I mean, four starts over fences, both times he stood up, he's won. And... His last run, he was going to win the Towton um, pretty well at Weatherby last time, and he tipped up. Obviously, he's got to put that job right. His jumping hasn't been spectacular, but he's got a fair engine. And I mean, if he wasn't trained, no offense to, to no disrespect to Caroline Bailey, but he, if he was trained maybe by a bigger name, he would be, you know, would probably know an awful lot more about this horse. But, you know, obviously, we've got to take it on trust that he's fit and ready to go tomorrow. But if he can sort your legs out um, and be good on his feet, I think mm. it's not a bad horse ball, Mir. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with liking Caroline Bailey chases. She generally is a, is an absolute whiz at yeah. getting some, getting a few good ones through her hands and, and making them do the business on the track. So Baldmere is an interesting shout there. I think it's a big ask for Ballyoptic with plenty of weight on to hold some of these um, other ones at bay, but he was terrific I mean, last season. I think Ballyoptic, he just absolutely galloped the brains out of them in this race last year. But yeah. you know, he's off 163 this time around. He's a year older. Not saying he can't do it because the Twist and Davis horses just never know when to lay down. But, you know, yeah. that would be, he's trying to give £7 plus to the whole field here. It would be a hell of a hell of an effort. Yeah, it's a big ask. It is a big ask. But 
like we say, that horses can surprise you. And we don't, of course, at this time of the season, know exactly who's fit enough to do themselves absolute justice in hot races like this. We didn't even mention Potterman uh, for Alan King and Tom Cannon and the likes of Django Django for John Joe O'Neill, Brave Eagle. I think Dermo gave it mentioned Seddon's in there. Um, it, I wouldn't put you off a few in here, but I'm going to go with Secret Investor Demo is too. And a big shout for Caroline Bailey's Bold Mir um, from Paddy. Paddy, I might come to you next on the... Um, on the Fiddler on the Roof race. And I call it that because the horse I really, I really like the look of for this season. But Fiddler on the Roof is going to take on Fuso Raffles, a Grand Sancy Longhouse Sale, and uh, Paint the Dreams in there for Fergal O'Brien as well um, in this uh, two mile and three and a bit further off. Uh, Dunraven Novices, which is often a good race. This is the Robert Motra Memorial. Um, it, I'm really excited to see Fiddler on the Roof. I never know with Colin Tizard whether he's got them ready to rock and roll from day one or whether they're going to pop up an entry and beat everything that's already won the other festivals. But I'm excited to see this one take on what is a speedball and Fusil Raffles, two different types. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, obviously he's, he's going to be sharper, isn't he? Fusil Raffles. And, you know, yeah. I thought he was, he was more than adequate around your talks the other day. He was given a patient ride and, you know, Paddy Brennan was positive on quick grab him. And maybe he just, even Paddy said it afterwards, he thought maybe his horse gassed out a little bit and he maybe mm-hmm. should have sat on him for a few strides more. And in the end, made Fuser Raffles look like he, he got it done quite easily. But still, nonetheless, he was good on his feet, couldn't fault him and he hit the line strong. So, you know, that was a real good start. But, you know, I, I do love this horse at the top. I think he, he is proper old fashioned. He's, you know, he's yeah. nothing flash to look at and he's got big old, big old fashioned knee action on him. And, I mean, in an ideal world, I wouldn't want the ground to dry out too much more. I think he's he's much more at home at getting his toe right in here, this son of stowaway. But obviously, we're all guessing at um, fitness-wise where he is. But he's run well around this track before, albeit he was beaten at, at, at short odds. He still ran reasonably well. And obviously, he's got to put the chat and blip behind him. But he's got plenty of ability, this horse, still only six-year-old. He was a one-five-two hurdler. I mean, he's rated the highest out of all these. So, yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to see, um, you know, how, how he shapes up tomorrow. Yeah, not a punting race, probably, unless you know something about one of the others, not going, you know, absolutely not doing it right at home or anything. But a couple of these already run, Dermo. I wouldn't have Fiddler on the Roof to be a bet or anything for the weekend, but I think Fiddler on Roof will win the war eventually uh, with this group. Yeah, 100%. He is the best that he is. I, it's just the first run over fences, and I, I think he's going to be a horse that uh, that will need every yard of this on heavy. So if I was being forced to have a bet at the prices, it, it would be on Fusil Raffles. I mean, I thought last time I agree completely with what Paddy said, but I thought he actually shaped at one point like he was just about to be outpaced, and then he he got up and did it quickly. I actually thought that this extra trip will kind of bring out more on him. So like, it, it's not a race I'll be punting in, but my God. It's a fantastic novice chase to kind of kick off the season, isn't it? Yeah, it really warms you up, doesn't it? That kind of stuff is what we want to see because immediately afterwards, there's quotes for three or four Cheltenham races and away you go. <laughs> the anti-post book becomes yeah. uh, becomes alive. It's like... And one horse is finished. All you'll hear afterwards is, oh, he's he's not a chaser at all. And then again, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what it's about. It's like turning your favorite movie. Like, you know where this ends. And, you know, you know it's <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, if they're like mine, your anti-post favorite movie is The Titanic. And down it goes yeah. uh, at the end of it. And the, the, I mean, I, I'll let you go first on the next race, Dermo, which is the the, the the silver trophy, which is always a bit of a belter. A couple of horses in here that really caught my eye were Nochapare for Ollie Murphy, who um, he looks an absolute bull. And when they got it right with him, he looked very good. John John Neal's going to ride that. That could go off favourite. And Sasaiko, who I, I, you know, I'm 
gave a real squeak to in the Triumph last year and um, thought it ran really well, actually, in fifth, even though that race kind of fell apart. And, of course, with Goshen, um, Paul Nichols put up Brian Carver taking off five pounds. I'd probably go there. But, I mean, these are the races that you like to see on a Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is absolutely one one hell of a race. Um, it's it's one of them again where you could pick kind of six or seven and completely come up come up empty. Notchy Parry was was the one that I had had picked out as well, Dean. Um, I thought a obviously John Joe Junior just, just just looks a, a really really special talent, and this horse was kind of given an easy enough time of it last season, but that performance when he beat uh, One Night in Milan at Aintree in December was just a very, very good performance and kind of um, edge left after the last, but my God, did, did he power away afterwards? And that's obviously just a really good hand, uh, a really good kind of thing to have in your locker. And then afterwards then beat uh, Black Jerry at uh, Fontwell, which obviously wasn't the best performance, but still he, he was learning as he went along, he runs here off a mark of 135. I mean, he's the kind of horse that, that I would be surprised if that's where his season ended. So from from kind of a, a shorter odds point of view, he definitely is one. And then I couldn't resist really having a, an each way play on on Calandra here, who's a long time between drinks. It was uh, December 2017 at Cheltenham when this horse beat Kustar uh, Savola, who obviously went on to be a very good horse afterwards, but not only has she been in a bit of a cloud, but Neil Mulholland has had two bad seasons now, but just of late, it's looking like he has his horses in in good form again. I mean, Dead Right was another horse who completely got off the boil. That horse came back and won, and um, Any News won, won just there at Exeter, actually, mm-hmm. and he's had, like, five winners now, in the last uh, two weeks, and uh, Calandra, who's about sixteen to one or twenty to one in places, I just think she's a very, very good horse. Tom Scudamore is booked. She's dropped right down the uh, ratings again to one hundred and forty-two, and I just think she's very interesting for a trainer who looks like he might finally have a, all his ducks in a row again. Then. Okay, interesting shout, Calandra. Then uh, number three in that silver trophy, and Notchapare, who I. I still think, you know, like you said, Demo, one three five, and uh, uh, almost double figure odds still around for that. John Joe O'Neill, uh, but for it, uh, fascinating. Paddy, John Joe O'Neill Jr. getting the ride on Notchapare. You know, there's obviously no Barry around anymore now with Barry Geraghty taking a step, and there's no obvious replacement. Big, uh, big moment for John Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think probably without without any announcement, it appears to me like he 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 is JP's. He's his number one over here now because he is probably riding ninety percent of the JP horses that are running even right. at the minute. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, without like I say, without any being announced, he's he's as good as his. You know, I know obviously people people could say that he's, he's still a young lad and maybe it's a big job for him to have. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, for me, I, I think unless anything majorly. Um, you know, bad happens or, or, you know, things are any big mistakes. I think it's, mm-hmm. he, he's got that job pretty much sewn up. And like you said, that's a good ride to get tomorrow. Not parry for me on his day, very strong traveler. He's got loads of ability and, you know, for a six-year-old, he's very, very low mileage, not parry, but, you know, he's highly talented and a lovely racing weight tomorrow, 11 stone and one, three, five could still be very nicely treated. Couldn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't think I'd look much further away at the current prices 
um, for for a punt in the race because you'd imagine Ollie wants to kick off the season in in rock and form. There's no reason not to have this ready to go off one three five. And uh, as you say, John Joe, um, you know, is probably the right man for the for the job at the moment. Riding very well, and he's got a big chance there. I mean, it's a nice horse in there. It is kind of fifteen to two, eight to one, ten to one the field, down to about six or seven horses. So. Um, fascinating race. Dermo giving a shout as well there to Calandra, but I think not Chapari and Calandra forecast would do you, Dermo, wouldn't it? Oh, God, I would definitely do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we take that. Um, yeah. Like, Do you want to kick off with the, the final race we're going to look at at Chepstow on Saturday, which is the, well, of course, they're all bloody dog racing times now, which I hate, but the 432 at Chepstow, Dermo, is, uh, is another <laughs> handicap chase. Now, I'm delighted it's another handicap chase because I love them. I thought Azuri was... Um, was interested in here if it pops up for Dan Scout and then Creve Hill, who started the season so well last year, uh, I'd be hard placed to go against them, but probably a race I won't get too involved in unless you found me something interesting. Yeah, it's um, to be honest, Azori was the one that I'd, I'd landed on as well. I mean, William Marshall is taking seven pounds off, and um, mm-hmm. the owners don't mind the gamble, as we know, and the um, yeah. so it's it kind of does all look lined up. It's just been a long time since this horse kind of got his act together properly. I mean, you know, he was second and third at, at Suttle last year, but this looked like a horse that really was going to be a, a very, very strong handicapper. And he's landed a few for them, obviously, but he just kind of hasn't kicked on to the level that I really thought he would. Like, you know, he was um, mm-hmm. he was a horse in his earlier days who, who was pitched in against the likes of Apple's Jade and all these kind of horses. And he's just kind of fallen down the reckoning, but he's only eight years old. He's now down to a mark of 139. I'd like the look of this young William Marshall. And uh, when you take seven pounds more off, he's down to mark 132, which means that the likes of Casablanca uh, mix is giving him 18 pounds and uh, Creve Hill is giving him 20 pounds. So that's an awful lot of weight. And I think um, Azori, a 10 to one, looks a bit of a, a decent better. Yeah, for me, it looked like a decent bit of placing with those two um, at the top end. And I, I think even with William Marshall, as you say, taking off a few more pounds, this does look uh, an interesting spot for it to pop up for Dan. Uh, Paddy, what did you make of the uh, the John Ayres Memorial? There was a couple in here, Dino. I thought the big mare near the top of the weights, Casablanca Mix. She's yeah. another one, a bit like Creve Hill. I think the best time to get her is early doors fresh. Um, she looked very, very exciting last year. Um, mm-hmm. And she well up to carrying 11 stone 10 so I would give her a little shout there and the other one I wanted to mention was last year's winner actually the Babe Birch I mean she is nine year old now but the thing is she looked as good as ever the other day at Warwick and she that was one four five she won this off last year this time round she is going to tackle this race off one three seven so you know I think she's there with every chance with 10 stone 11. Yeah admirably consistent as well runs all all the time like they get a race into that the Bay Birch every month, pretty much. So to come back and have a decent prep, uh, that's not a bad shout for the Shepherds, of course, Matt. And uh, Stan, okay, well, I think me and Dermo will probably stick with Azuriala. I'm not going to get too involved in this. I'd love to back Garda Victoire in the race, but every year I keep saying it, and every year Garda Victoire gets older and a little bit slower. <laughs> but hopefully it'll, it'll come together for Garda Victoire and Philip Hobbs and, of course, Dickie Johnson on board that one. Uh, really nice race and a good card at Chepstow, it has to be said. Uh, it really does whet the appetite. Um, what about them? I think you might have something for the Munster National, which is on Sunday at Limerick at four o'clock. Um, tell me it's a decent price and give me the name, please. What horse wins that? Uh, JT McNamara, I should say, Ladbrokes Munster National. Yeah, of course. 
and named after the uh, the great man who uh, exactly. obviously a massive part of racing and it's a lovely touch. Um, I really did think that uh, walk away just screamed out a Henry de Bromhead chaser who maybe didn't uh, didn't fulfil his uh, his potential as um, normally, but will kick on massively now. As a handicapper, I mean, a mark of 136 here just it does look very, very low. I mean, this was a horse that was that was pitched in against Champ on his third ever start at Aintree. He was a horse yeah. that took on Faheen, easy game, and Alaho last season was third behind Avalo, Alaho, second behind Faheen, a punches down, and he runs here of 136 with uh, Rachel Blackmore up on his back. He's a horse that on his day could place at um, a grade one level, and he's running in a handicap. Of 136, I just think he's absolutely thrown in. I mean, Doctor Duffy runs here off 147. He gives him, he gives him uh, 11 pounds, and then My Henna, who obviously ran brilliantly last time, the West Awake, Roaring Bull. These are all handicappers, and they're they're facing up against Walk Away. Walk Away does kind of need to improve jumping, absolutely no doubt, and has been a bit keen at times, but. The jumping doesn't concern me overly with uh, Harry the Bromhead horse because he probably has jumped about 6,000 fences in the meantime. And um, this horse has won off a break before as well. And he's just a horse. He's only ran seven times. There's an awful lot more in walk away. And to be running here up 136 and 7 to 1, 6 to 1, that's around the place is, is just a cracking price. Love that. I'm not even going to try and find the winner of that race after listening to that. That'll do me, Henry de Bromhead, Rachel Blackmore of Walkaway in that Limerick. Um, JT McNamara, of course, Labrooks Monster National, which is on Sunday. Uh, Paddy, I'll let you have a crack at that. But there's also, you know, I think yeah, some might call it a swear word on the Race Hour podcast. I think you said that, Paddy, uh, prior to this. But the, the Dali Dewhurst is also over the weekend at Newmarket uh, with Richard Hannon's uh, well, very impressive and very well hyped and loved. Uh, chinned it at the top of that market. Um, it's, it's you know, it's a tale of two codes here, Paddy. Do you want the Monster National or do you want the Dewhurst? I'll take the Dewhurst then. Um, it sound it sounded like D Nolan had the Monster National absolutely wrapped up. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to follow that. <laughs> well, they, to be honest, I hadn't uh, until you sent, sent the agenda over. I hadn't really taken too much attention or paid too much attention to the Dewhurst, but when I got it up this morning, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it, it's a pity Hot. that that um, you know some of these are are um, are going to get beat. But I mean, chinned it so far for Richard Hannon. He's just looked so uncomplicated. Now I do think Pat Dobbs has been very very good on him. He's really really made this horse. Um, mm. gave him a lovely ride at Donny the last day and got the job done very, very nicely. And obviously he's he's re-opposing uh, Al-Bashir again tomorrow. But, I mean, obviously we were very, very impressed with Joseph's horse considering the run he got at the Curragh to, to pick up as quick as he did and actually looked like he was borderline snug across the line when he won the National Stakes last time. Looked very, very good. But, I mean, this is just absolutely red hot, there's no doubt. But probably for me, um, I would just have to go with the Hannon horse here in Chinda yeah. because he just, honestly, he looks so uncomplicated. You can ride him anywhere, but, you know, he's got plenty of boot. And I just think Pat Dobbs has done such a good job with educating him. You know, this will be his fourth start tomorrow. He's got plenty of experience to fall back on here. But like I say, it's a red hot race. One I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to set a pecking order, isn't it? For well, uh, certainly uh, add a layer to the pecking order anyway, because they're all back in here. Demo, I'm not imagining you've taken a great deal of time over this, but it is, as Paddy says, a, a super hot 
contest and Chindi, if you listen to Richard Hampton, who's always positive anyway, and apparently this horse did a piece of work that would have won every race uh, for the last century or something uh, at home recently. A great moment for Pat Dobbs and Hannon if they can go and pick this up ahead of next season. Yeah, yeah, they are um, they are excellent. The uh, two of them at bigging up their horses and look, yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant so far, which I love the exact same as Paddy is just how thoroughly uncomplicated a beast that he's been um mm-hmm. there's just you know when he's asked to go he goes and he just does it i mean those horses especially with kind of thoroughbreds they're um they can be definitely hard to come by but i really liked uh joseph o'brien's thunder moon so far i just he's won a 10 to 1 a 15 to 2 which kind of would suggest that maybe there was kind of more thought of uh other horses against him but he was absolutely brilliant last time and he just really quickened well to to kind of to lead late on but he could have won an awful lot better than that he put Wembley who reposes here I think there was a, yeah. an awful lot more between them than the length and a half at the end so it's not a, a wild price but at about three to one I just really really like that uh, Thunderman the thunder moon okay um all right well i mean that's kind of like obviously the the flat highlight and there'll still be a few more to come uh before their season winds down totally but uh the jumps are back lads and it's been a pleasure to have you on here i do need kind of your best bet the weekend there but i'm going to guess it's the monster national horse or secret investor yeah it, it, a double on board is definitely recommended something i've done already but uh walk away is my which is a mad not to have considering how how anything could go wrong at any fence in that race, but I really, really like walk away for the uh, most national genius. Yeah, you've picked the three mile chase with 20 odd runners at Limerick <laughs> on Sunday afternoon at four o'clock when everyone else has, has done their brains elsewhere. Um, fair enough. So walk away um, and uh, secret investor in that race that's on Saturday at uh, Chepstow. I think it's in a 2.47 it is. Uh, Paddy, uh, what's your most looking forward to this weekend? Um, yeah, give us that. Well, I think there was a, probably a couple over jumps. The horse we mentioned of Ollie Murphy's not your parry. Um, yeah. Lovely racing weight, like I said, of 11 stone. And then I was going to commit the ultimate sin and have one in the Cesarowicz because... Oh, God. I, I honestly think uh, the run for Mary form behind Princess Zoe, where you know she didn't actually get a very clear passage round last time. Sam mm-hmm. Ewing is taking seven off. Um, you know, so she, she's going to run there tomorrow of 77. Um, it's 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 massive form, but obviously it's 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 a lottery. But you know, off the back of that that Princess Zoe run at Galway, that's seriously good form for Run for Mary and Charles Burns and Sam Ewing. He's riding a few winners at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, good shout then, Paddy. We'll 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 take that one. Um, I was I was really keen on uh, on Secret Vesta, so I was going to have that. So if them, if you have walk away, I'll have that one. And uh, and, and Pat. <laughs> Paddy's thrown two into the mix, um, which which is going to help us, I think, for the weekend. So it's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the uh, race out. We are back for the jump season. Um, hopefully everyone is doing okay and, and safe and well at home. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Uh, Paddy Aspel will chat to you again next week. Stamo will chat to you again next week. And uh, good luck this weekend. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.